Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode another of one. In the Bag. Another, another one. one. Another one. 54. We are here for a good time. Uh, got a great guest lined up for you today. Another one. <laughs> I love I, how many. I'm trying to think how many things I can cue you in on. Like, and we got another guest, another, another one, one. Uh, yeah. who is here with us on another day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's yeah. going to be a great time. I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it, hey, it's a good week. It's it's summertime basically here, and we are ready to. I'm just happy to get out and throw some discs again. I know that we were on a streak there for a minute where we just kind of had some special guests, which were fun and special episodes, but it was fun to go out and throw discs today and discs I've been wanting to throw mm. in a, a category that I think I maybe have a little bit of know-how and experience in, which I don't get to say a lot on this show. Interesting. Interesting. Well, before we, you know, dive into that, it's what kind of weather are y'all finally experiencing warm weather where you can rock some of uh, our presenting sponsor, Flippy Disc Golf's apparel uh, and not just the hoodies? Mm-hmm. Yep. I had some on the other day, uh, just around the warehouse and then, you know, out playing. So any of their performance gear there, um, you know, you have the, jo- you have the jersey on for those video listeners now. Um, that's the cotton jersey. They're also... Yep. New and improved, just like last week, relaunched our new site. They have a new uh, manufacturer that they're doing, you know, performance wear with. They're doing hoodies. They're doing windbreakers. They're doing shorts. They're doing, I mean, they're doing everything. Aaron's going crazy over there, and we are very excited about it. And it's public knowledge now. We can announce that Flippy is even the presenting sponsor for the Bogey Bro West Coast Tour. So Dude. that's exciting. And like, I remember when Flippy, so Flippy, we, we I was talking there and, and we got the pig jersey that's coming in the Robbie C line. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, you want to try it in this like performance apparel gear? And I was like, dude, absolutely. Because I like the cotton shirt. I think the cotton shirt is like comfortable. It's all that. But it's personally, like low humidity or high humidity in the South, the cotton can like I can get a little uncomfortable in it sometimes and prefer the athletic performance and whatnot. I think the cotton's still fantastic. It's my I wear these pretty much exclusively any like I wear flippy stuff as much as I possibly can. So it still works mm-hmm. fantastic on the course. Hear me when I say that. But when I got that, I remember Hunter and Trevor seeing it and being like what what? Where, yeah. Where'd that be? Uh, so mm-hmm. super stoked that for the West Coast tour, uh, they're going to be rocking those new polos that yes. uh, are coming out. So yeah. Thanks Aaron, for innovating yeah. as always. Yeah, we appreciate you. Appreciate all the stuff you're doing. Um, don't forget to check out the In the Bag merch in the link below. You can save some money on that. Any of the Robbie C gear and any of the new foundation collection that will be coming out very soon in support of the West Coast tour. Thanks again, Aaron and Flippy and everybody over there. We appreciate you greatly. Um, you know, Hey, you know what else we appreciate? What do we appreciate? We appreciate this week's guest, Jimmy. So why don't we bring him in? Another one. Here Another we go. One. Welcome to In the Bag. Jimmy, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How you doing, Brad? How you doing, Robbie? Doing well, man. We appreciate you coming on. Oh, Dude, thanks for having me. Glad to be up this early hour. It's really fun to like see you and have your face here, Jimmy, because we've had so many conversations via text like and messaging and things like that. So... It's just, it's fun to like hear your voice because you are familiar with how I sound, but now I get to connect to like when I'm seeing you in the streams and seeing you in all the different things like, ah, that's it's my guy, guy Jimmy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So Jimmy, super stoked to have you on here, man. And super stoked for uh, the people to get to know you. Uh, we have a couple questions we ask here on the podcast to help them get to know your game, get to know you as a player for sure. Uh, and the the first one being, how long have you been playing? Uh, I started my first time playing was February 1st of last year. Okay. So, so just over a year. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I I wish that I had the ability. Brad, do you know like around the day when you started playing? I know the exact date I started playing. Yeah, you guys, I'm so proud of you. Uh, you you newer players. Well, it's just got, Hunter took me at, Silas and I at the same day for our very first round of disc golf. So that's that's literally the only reason I know why. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you. I mean, I know where I went for my first round of disc golf, but I have no idea uh, what so the actual Brad, date was. You got the job, then you learned how to play disc golf. No, I I oh. met Hunter. 
uh, Hunter and Silas at church and they were throwing discs one day in a field. I'm like, oh, that looks fun. What is that? And then the rest mm. is history. So, you know, I worked, I worked another job for many years. I mean, I just started foundation a little over a year ago. So, mm, okay. but I did play. I did play about a year before I joined. Yeah, nice. he, you know, he didn't dive fully off the deep end. Um, <laughs> that, uh, I, I liked that'd be crazy. Yeah. I want to know how many people work in disc golf who don't actually play disc golf. Because there's got to be some, uh, yeah. like oh, yeah. especially on the manufacturing level. But mm-hmm. anywho, enough about them. We're here for you, Jimmy. Here for All you, right. my man. Um, so playing about a little over a year. So if we were to take you out to a field and we were to say, hey, basket is X amount of distance away. Mm-hmm. Um, how far can we put that basket out that you feel like you can reach it comfortably with a controlled shot or your like golf line on uh, backhand can- and forehand? Controlled um, with a distance driver, um, you could put the basket at 320, and I'll usually be backhand within about 30 feet of it. Um, Forehand, I might be about 50, 60 short. Um, But that's with the distance driver. And then, you know, it goes down incrementally as the discs get slower. So. Totally. And honestly, the fact that there's a difference there is huge uh, because mm-hmm. let's be real for most of our listeners uh, and even Brad, I know you were experiencing this for a while. Like there was a time, right, where it was like, OK, I reach up, I grab my Zeus, I grab my Wraith, whatever, and that goes 300 feet. And then I grab my Vulture, I grab my Thunderbird and it goes 300 feet. And then I grab mm-hmm. my mid-range to get a hold of it. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. it goes 290 <laughs> yeah. so yeah i haven't yeah. i haven't been able to you know my my um fairway drivers usually are about 275 um and then my mid ranges are in like the 220 to 250 range and then my putters you know i'll throw the putter as hard as i can it's going to go about 175 200 mm-hmm. so it's just it's incrementally stepped down and i think a lot of that has to do with trying to get consistent with my form. Uh, I've been doing a lot of form work since I was baptized into this family. So (laughs) it's funny, you know, coming back to the distance comment, Robbie, it's, it's like all my discs were flying the same minus my putters. I couldn't throw a putter very far, but once I learned to throw a putter, which is probably form and timing a little bit, once I started to be able to reach 300 feet with a putter, then I started seeing differences in distance with everything else. So Mm, just interesting on how that works. But yeah, I think your, your distances are telling me that you're a pretty smooth thrower. You're not trying to kill anything. I think that's what that's kind of telling me. It, uh, you know, when I, when I first started playing, I didn't have any, any sense of what form was aside from watching people do this X step that they talked about and going out to my park and trying to do that myself. And I ended up with a form that was very similar to James Conrad. And so uh, my local club, the Cali Chainbangers, they just first time I played, they said, "Oh, your your nickname's Crash because you look like a crash test dummy when you're throwing." <laughs> uh, a couple of things that really helped me improve that was um, Paul Ulibarri saying, "You know, when you're on the tee pad, if you envision the end of the tee pad being the edge of a cliff, just think about that," mm-hmm. and that really helped slow me down. It's really helped control my drives a lot better and, and dial in that form as I've been playing. So it's, it's been a progression. And because of that lack of consistency, when you look at my bag, you see a lot of overlap and stuff because I'm not as confident all the time, mm-hmm. trying to get more confident as I see that consistency increase in my form. But, um, there's still a lot of overlap because of that lack of consistency. Yeah. And I know, Day law obviously has elevation, but a lot of my view of Cali disc golf is that there's a lot of flat and a lot of openness and you're like navigating some more flat fairways and whatnot. Uh, I think for a lot of even Virginia golf where you're in the mountains, uh, we're not very mountainous down here in Bama, but uh, a lot more hills. Uh, that front of the cliff or edge of the cliff tee box thing rings true because i'm sure brad as he said that you can probably think of like five or six tee pads where you're like 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's actually the edge of a cliff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Liberty East over here on, I, I forget which hole number it is, but you are literally, if you fall off that tee pad, you are rolling like 100 feet down a hill. So yeah, it is an actual cliff. So yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll just picture that tee pad every time now. I yeah, like that. Slow down a little bit. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, awesome. Okay, so Jimmy, uh, our final question or final two questions if we that's distance we put you on the putting green and we're like hey mm. how far from uh out uh, 10 putts at 15 feet 10 putts at 25 and 10 putts at 40 feet how many are you making from each station uh 15 feet 10 putts um i can pretty much dial that in and i'll be hitting probably about six um as i as i you know, work those 10, 25 feet. It's probably going to be closer to about three and 40 feet or C2X is just lucky to hit chain, you know, okay. kind of thing. So, yeah, totally fair. And I think for a year end, those numbers make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate your honesty and like, it's mm-hmm. been a minute since we've had someone come in at 10 feet or 15 feet and be like, yeah, I think I'm going nine for 10. Uh, <laughs> like no, being I someone wish. who hasn't said that yet. you know now i've got a hundred i've got 50 putters lined up in the backyard that i that i do my practice with and after doing two rounds with those i might be in that eight or nine range on a yeah. 15 foot uh thing but straight out the gate yeah six six will make me happy that's fair i respect that so uh, our final question is what would you say is the biggest strength of your game I think my lack of um, knowing what is right. I think really, Mm. you know, uh, you see a lot of players that, oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to. And because I don't know any better, I'm willing to adapt and and try different things and try different things to see what works best. Um, Not being locked in on um, something already because be honest with you, you know, prior to starting to play disc golf, I'm, you know, 53 years old this month and I haven't, I never played a sport in the last 30 years. So, Mm -hmm. um, coming back out to disc golf or or picking this up as a, as a sport definitely, um, was something that, you know, my body didn't have used to, I don't have an ulti world background or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have anything that, tells me oh you should be doing it like this my brain is just open awesome mm-hmm. yeah, yeah no. I think that's definitely definitely key. i think that sometimes if when i watch you know not, i'm not relating you to my kids but just if i watch my kids play i feel like sometimes they throw much better shots i mean just because they're like okay i like this disc it feels good i'm just gonna throw this or i'm just gonna throw over here because that's what i want to do and I, I sometimes i'm like why didn't i think of that because I'm like, well, I'm supposed to throw a forehand here. I'm supposed to throw a spike hyzer around this or, you know what I mean? So I get that. I think I see where you're coming from, Jim. I think that definitely is placed into strength. Yeah, it's, I took, I was fortunate enough, you know, in May of last year, only after playing for three or four months to take a, an in-person class with Scott Stokely. Uh, and so I learned from him the backhand technique that he teaches beginners as well as the forehand. And what really struck me was, his method of teaching the forehand was just look at how kids throw a forehand. They throw it like a baseball and that's all you need to do. And so we, we worked with that and that was a really good foundation point um, to build off of and to allow myself to learn, okay, you know, you need to do this kind of thing. So. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that makes a lot of sense. And Mm -hmm. uh, Stokely's been teaching forehands for longer than I've been playing. That's for sure. So, uh, (laughs) Definitely something to be learned there from a coach's perspective, too. Uh, okay, so, Jimmy, we're going to – the the slot we're going to be working on um, and something you said in talks we've had after and whatnot, uh, you, another weakness uh, we were talking actually last night, um, but another weakness that you had said to your game is your approaches – uh, finding that consistency and approaches. So we're going to, we're going to end up with our suggestion area of the podcast there. So we're going to start at your distance drivers and work our way from top to bottom. If that works for okay. you. That, I love it. Um, okay. So looking at your distance drivers, you've got an astronaut that's kind of in a league of its own. 
uh, and the understable side of things. What's the astronaut do for you? The astronauts a guaranteed turnover. Um, I with my form, there are discs that I have thrown successfully on turnover before, um, but because of the lack of consistency, they don't turn over all the time. With the astronaut, I've found that with that disc, when I need it to go to the right. I can throw that one accurately. It's also something that I've found out here uh, on my local course. We get a lot of um, wind coming from the south, blowing north. Um, and so on a bunch of holes, that creates a right to left. And so mm-hmm. I can take that understable astronaut and just go full power. And I know that the turn is going to hit the wind and just keep it kind of going straight and get me major distance. So it kind of fills a wind slot that I'm learning about and that definite right hand turn. Yeah. Okay. So that makes that honestly, that makes perfect sense. And I love that you're already thinking about the like crosswind play. That is, that speaks volumes to how much you've studied the game for sure. Uh, looking at the other five distance drivers you have on a chart, that's where like these charts that people put out, right? It can be super deceptive on a chart. Mm -hmm. These five discs look very, very close to one another. Um, is there any like natural overlap that even you've discovered in those five or do they have kind of unique positions? It's, it's really interesting, you know, with the, the paradigm is actually the one that I think is the most overlap, um, with some of my other discs, it is a little floatier, but you know, with my Zeus, uh, and the nuke, the Zeus and the nuke, it's all about the plastic, you know, Mm. those are X line, um, which is a very soft, uh, you know, kind of grippy, uh, plastic that gives it a little more understability than the harder plastic does. So those kind of the Zeus and the paradigm kind of really overlap the most in terms of how they fly for me. Um, and they reach about the same distance. So the paradigm is one that I was kind of trying to see if it would fit into a slot, maybe be a little more straight than the Zeus is, um, in terms of flight for me, but I've found that it kind of, you know, is the same as that Zeus flight. Um, the Wraith is again, it's, it's about texture and grip. Um, I find that the Wraith rim, I really like that shallow rim, uh, that the Wraith has. And, and with my grip, uh, I find that it fits really well and, goes really, really straight. And then at the last minute does its, its fade where it needs to, um, the wave, I can get that to turn a little bit as opposed to the Wraith. Um, now the Wraith, if I throw it on Anheuser, I can get it to hold. Um, and I kind of showed Robbie it earlier, but, uh, I mean, this thing is as beat in as it can get and it's been forever, but Brad, it was the only disc I've ever aced with. So, oh, yeah. you know, and it was a holy shot backhand turnover fate, uh, turn shot, um, that worked really well. So that's great once it reaches that beat in state and I can, I can flex things, you mm-hmm. know, it works really well. So, okay. That makes yeah. sense. So again, I don't see these charts until right as we're inviting you in and Robbie sends mm-hmm. them right before. And I was looking at, and I was, you know, I'm like, man, there's a lot of like overstable stuff here. And then when you're talking about your distance, I was like, interesting. There's a lot of overstability here for like that distance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're just looking at off the cuff, but it's making sense. You're really utilizing your plastic and it looks like the weights of your disc as well to kind of maneuver that flexibility or maneuver that stability for you. Yeah, it, it, it definitely helps. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan again of that X line grippy kind of plastic. So I, I constantly keep my eye out to see what, what they're dropping in that line and try mm-hmm. and get a copy just because I love how it feels. Yeah. And I think it's it, from the if we're if we're taking it from a mold minimalization standpoint, if the paradigm and the Zeus are fighting each other for that like similar shot option, I I think the beautiful part is that if you're already throwing the Zeus in X line plastic, the Zeus comes in a variety of other plastic as well. Whereas mm-hmm. the paradigm is still new that mm-hmm. like we haven't seen it in a lot of plastics, and also I feel like that is the Dismania specialty is like we drop this new disc in this plastic 
And by the way, you're not going to see it in any other form for a year and a half. And then someone is going to get it as a tour series or special edition, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then that's all you're going to see for a year and a half. And it's like, yep, that's true. So if you, if you like a Discmania disc, odds are you probably like it for that one plastic. Yeah. It's unfortunate though. The, um, the Zeus X line plastic is only available in the Paul Macbeth three pack. Um, I've not seen them available outside of that. And it's the same thing with that Luna in the X blend, um, that softer Luna, which, you know, beats in really, really well, um, Mm -hmm. in that softer, softer material. So, yeah. I forget what it's called because it's it's it may not be X line because X line yeah, has that rubbery grip. Um, mm-hmm. The I think it's Z line. Am I making that up? I know that there's Z plastic, but there's like yes. there's like a base ish plastic. What it reminds me of, uh, Brad. Did y'all ever get any of the uh, Divergent discs? Mm-mm. It's like the Leviathan, the Narwhal, and all that. We have some in the U section. It's yeah, yeah, it's that like rubbery, almost plastic. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. There's yeah, some think, form of a Zeus in that plastic. I know I've I've got a Z line Zeus out there that's a that's a harder, uh, more overstable um, mm-hmm. uh, plastic for me. But um, I know that like the there's a there was a tactic uh, tactic came out uh, tactic putter, uh, very soft, super flexible kind of overstable plastic as well. But I don't yeah. remember what the the, the blend was. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. Okay. Well, it sounds like I, I like where everything shifted there and I completely agree with Brad on, you've got your plastics kind of sorted. Um, your fairway drivers seem to be the most confusing part of the bag for sure, because you've got seven fairway drivers and like they kind of sit in two different zones. So, um, I, I want to start with the overstable side and then shift into what I think is the bridge, which is most likely the insanity and then heading over to the understate, the, the fully understable. Mm. Um, so you've got an Onyx and a Thunderbird, two very similar discs already. Um, like you can, a lot of people have said, you know, when Paul jumped over from Innova, he knew he wanted a Thunderbird back. So he just made the Onyx. Um, so the annex for me is one that if I back, if I forehand it, it I can enough torque, it's going to turn over um, and get that turn mm-hmm. flight. I don't throw it on forehand as much because I can't control. I don't have the consistency to control that, that amount of torque. Um, so I don't throw it on, on forehand as much. That for me is about a two seventy five range disc that i know is going to get really good fade at the end and a little bit of skip um it's not built as much for the skip and i don't have as much spin in my drive to get that skip with the onyx but i know it's pretty much going to travel about five to ten feet once it hits on the terrain that i throw on um so for me that one is 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 consistent and it's consistently overstable for the wind in that 275 range the terra which is also very overstable and is kind of like a a little bit slower firebird um that is not going to go 275 that's going to stop at about 245 250 with that same dump to the dump to the left on the fade at the end so from a speed perspective i know where those are going to go distance wise and they're both going to finish about the same Okay. Can I make so, an assumption here really quick? Mm-hmm. So it seems to me like maybe you have a lot of discs that you're like, okay, on hole three and seven and nine at this course, I'm throwing the Onyx. And at hole eight and 11 and 15, I'm going to throw the Terra. It seems like you're kind of building your bag based on the courses that you're playing regularly. Most versus- of that is true. It's It's very true. Part of... Part of what I find it with my disc selection and disc, you know, comfortability is, you know, playing my familiar course uh, as often as I do and kind of marrying what I need to throw on that course. Um, mm-hmm. It really is not a bag set up for travel. Um mm-hmm 
now when I do travel, the good thing with having a bag that's built to my course is that when I travel to other courses, I know what the discs are going to do. And I try and envision my course overlaid right. on yeah. what hole I'm playing. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. And w which it, it sounds like I made a very like just general statement. Right. But I think it's, it's two different theories. Like for my bag, I'm like, okay, I have this d disc and it does these three shots that are probably going to be on any X amount of course. And if I need it to go 50 feet shorter, then I'm probably either going to back off the power and like change my, you know, my throw or my angle of my throw, or I'm going to disc down to a, another disc versus like, okay, the Terra is like a whole 13 esque shot, a right to left, you know, turnover or whatever. So, mm -hmm. okay. Does that make sense, Robbie? Or am I like, do I sound crazy here? No, I, I, I think it makes perfect sense. And I think it's a, yeah, like the the beauty, I would take that theory a step further and say that it sounds like the reason you have the Terra and the Onyx is because if you want to throw, you want to be throwing like almost full power shots on Correct. all of these holes. So if you pull out your like, yeah, from Brad's perspective of building the the travel bag, we'll call it versus the mm -hmm. the home course bag, the travel bag. I'm going to have a vulture in my bag that I know I can throw most any of these distances from 250 to 310. And I'm always, whenever I walk up and I see a hole is that distance, bang. Whereas, Jimmy, you're much more saying, hey, I can throw my Zeus full power and it goes 320. I can throw my Onyx full power and it goes 270. I throw my Terra full power, it's 250. And you adjust that accordingly. So mm -hmm. seeing that kind of a deal, honestly, now the mid rank the fairway drivers make a ton of sense because it's okay, I got these. The one yeah, and some of those discs yeah. like the Terra, you know, those overstable ones, the Terra I can throw on forehand and I don't have to worry about the torque. Mm -hmm. I know that it's gonna throw on Anheuser, it's gonna stand up and then it's gonna do its its fade that it needs to. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, there there is a little bit of that as well. I think it's a testament to your form. Like you said, you're, you're focusing on your form, which means mm. you want to throw the same type of shot with the same amount of power every time. So you're using the discs to do that versus altering your form or your power to do that. Correct. Yeah. And I am starting to work more on adjusting the power and learning how to adjust the power without changing form. You know, because my fear is that if I slow this down or I change this, you know, in terms of my speed and the power that I put into it, it's going to change, you know, how I pull across or where my X steps, you know, are, are, are landing and stuff. Because my biggest focus right now when I'm on the tee box is where my foot positioning is at the end of my throw and making sure that my right knee is going down and not out. That's all I'm really focusing on in my head because I know that if I focus on that, where I release is going to be where I want it to go. And, mm -hmm. and I'm starting to see a little more consistency in that, but it is difficult to implement those, those power changes. Um, and so what I do find myself with the approach shot is I'm disking down more. Now I'm going more with like, um, you know, my inner core, when I need to just, I want to softly lay up to something within that, you know, 75 to a hundred foot range. Yeah. It's, it's that disc because I know exactly it's just going to drop straight mm -hmm. down. Yeah. Now that makes total sense. So I want to talk about two different clusters of three, uh, to kind of round this out. And then I want to dive into what Brad tried out because I think it's going to, it will be kind of integrated into the putter look. Um, mm. So my two groupings of three that I want to talk about are the first one is you have an insanity, a Zen and a mall. Now mm -hmm. the Zen an overstable essence uh, traditionally run uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with when we say the Zen uh, dysmania essence, uh, Nate mm -hmm. Perkins, I think it was his last disc with them before he left. So yeah, um, yeah the Zen two. So how did the, sure. what's the difference between those three? Okay, so the insanity is my straight flyer. That one will fly straight. It won't get any turn on it with my throw and at the very end it will do its fade. The Zen 2 is my overstable 
um, fairway driver if I need something. If I'm going to throw it on hyzer, it's just going to go on hyzer the whole way uh, and be be that confident over stable disc. And then the mall is my turnover. I can put that on backhand uh, and get that to do a late fade or, or, or a late turn or an early turn, depending on how much Anheuser I put on it. So okay. they, I've been listening to in the bag and I've been trying to get those discs that are like, okay, you need one that goes left, one that goes right. And one that goes straight. <laughs> so mm. those are, those are the three discs that kind of do that for me. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So would you say your mall, not as flippy as the astronaut in terms of like guaranteed turnover, Correct. Uh, but you can kind of work it when needed. Yeah, because of the slower speed, I can usually get that uh, full flight out of it and have it do a turn uh, pretty consistently. Awesome. Okay, so my next set of three that I got questions about is you've got the Mindbender, the Origin, and the Hex. Similar setup? Similar exact same setup, yeah. The Mindbender is the one that... That's my straight disc. I can put that straight. I can put it on Anheuser. I can put it on Heiser, and it's going to hold wherever it, it goes. Um, the Lazat Signature uh, Lazatl is the overstable, and then the Origin is the understable. Um, the Origin's just going to either get turned or keep that Anheuser all the way around to the right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I got to ask because I'm now seeing, now that you described the three pack of the Zeus. It makes a lot of sense on, we've talked about your Luna being a beat-in flip disc, mm-hmm. but it's in that soft X line, so that makes sense. What's the difference between the Malta and your Lizotl? The Malta is the more overstable. It's the most overstable, and that's the one that I can throw that on a forehand as like an approach forehand if I need something that's going to dump right. I can throw that. If I throw the Lizotl, it, it has the possibility of taking that torque and holding it and going straight and not finishing how I need it to. So when I know I need a guaranteed, if I, if I want to throw like a little flex flick forehand, that's going to, you know, go like that. I can use the mind bender or the Lazadal. If I, if I know it's just going to straight dump, then it's the, the, uh, Malta. Okay. Awesome. Well, that, I, I hope that will help kind of, because, Brad, you've thrown Maltas before, right? Yes. Okay. The, the, I do have a problem with the Malta. It's got the Me same too. rim as a Buzz, and I hate that rim. Uh, the the Coming over the lip, it kind of goes concave down to the lip. And for my grip, I really, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Um, and I, I just can't ever get a comfortable grip on it. So the Malta, I try to throw as little as possible just because I hate the grip. And that's why I don't throw a buzz because okay. the, they just, they, Oh, <laughs> hey, that's fair. If I, if I had to choose between a buzz and a rock, I, I, I won on the rock side very easily. So I get yeah. that. Um, okay. Well, Brad, we had you try two discs today because those discs now, that, now that you say like you didn't like the Malta, I perfect. really feel like yeah. this is, we're diving straight into a perfect spot then. So, Excellent. Brad, you tried two discs today. What did you try? I tried the Star Toro mm. and the Opto Culprit today. So, Come on. overstable approach disc, which sounds like you're in need of some of those. Yeah. So, that's that's the big thing as I was looking at your bag, Jimmy, is like even when we built the – I think we did an entire episode kind of hamming out even a video I did of like – what's the true minimalist bag like if we were to take hey you if you want to have a well-rounded bag with as few discs as possible i think we landed on 10 discs uh inside of that bag and one of those was an overstable button approach disc because there's just so much Mm -hmm. consistency that you find in throwing this shot not only on backhands but forehands as well uh i know you talked about multiple times that like the onyx for instance if you torque it too much on the forehand it turns over but the terra doesn't uh Mm -hmm. the malta being in that x line i bet it it doesn't torque over for you necessarily but do you have to be touchy with it at all yeah i gotta be touchy just because of the speed now anything that slow i can turn over if i throw it hard enough you know but it's not that's not what you need to do with those so i try to be and because i my power 
is not as consistent as my form, getting the right speed, hitting the right torque is, is difficult. Yeah. So Brad is our resident discraft guy between the two of us, two of us, uh, the resident once discraft guy. I'll, I'll sell yeah. you properly. Previous. Uh, yeah. As a previous lover the of the craft previously discs. known as, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what you know. So when he describes that buzz hand feel, I could see you kind of nodding as we were going through it. So talk us through hand feel of the culprit and the Toro. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, first, I misspoke. It's a Lucid culprit. I don't know why I said Opto. I had it in my head. So just oh, Lucid. I, I, yeah, that's yeah, the Lucid sorry. tactic was the flippy one that I had uh, mm-hmm. that I have. Um, but I love Lucid. So as far as hand feel for all of our visual, the thing I like about the Toro, it's very smooth. It's very zone esque. It's like a little deeper though, which I don't mind. Uh, but very very smooth hand feel on both forehand and backhand. All those in the bag listeners at this point know I don't really love to backhand the zone. And I didn't mind backhanding this Toro at all today. Um, It was actually pretty comfortable. To be fair, I've changed my grip a little bit, and that's also made it more comfortable, I think. But it was was just fine to backhand. Uh, Culprit, again, I'll give some visual here. It does have a little bit of that edge that I I just don't think you're going to like. Because I thought of that as I was throwing. There's a little bit of tiny bead here. Just the way that the rim is shaped with that tiny bit of bead. It's like... It's just like an overstable buzz feel almost. Uh, obviously, the, mm-hmm. the the lip there is not quite as prevalent as a buzz would be. But I get what you mean on the Malta. That's what always bothered me about the Malta was the hand feel. I don't like my wife loves the Malta. She throws it on forehand primarily. There, it doesn't really get in the way. But I mean, if you're trying to backhand a Malta, I just I do not like how it feels. And the culprit, to be honest with you, was just not as comfortable in the hand. Just the the actual shape of the rim and how it fits in like in that knuckle pocket is just a little uncomfortable. And the, this particular flashing is just a little sharp, which I don't really mm. see out of lucid plastic a ton. It could just be this particular disc that I grabbed, but um, I'll check out a few more when I get back to the warehouse. Uh, Toro definitely ahead on the hand feel though. Very smooth, very comfortable. This is in star. Um, I like a little bit gummier pl- plastic, especially on something I know I'm going to probably forehand primarily because it really just kind of fits in that hand pocket. Well, yeah. So you took them out to the field and you are obviously intimately familiar with the overstable putting approach category. Mm-hmm. Uh, love your zones. So what kind of tests were you running with these two discs and how did they hold up for those tests? Yeah. So I think something I want, if I have an overstable approach that I'm throwing on both backhand and forehand, something I want to be able to throw is like this flex line where I can like, I can kick it give it some Anheuser and I just want to see that very quick S turn and then a, a nice fade out at the end. I want to see a disc that can give me some really reliable over stability. Um, so I'm trying that flex line. Um, I guess I'll t- say what they did individually. I did feel like the, the culprit was <laughs> definitely there. De- let me just say this. They're both very overstable. Let's just be on. Of course they are. Right. Um, I think the star plastic really kind of like tamed the overstability of the Toro. So it still was very overstable, right? It's still off the shelf overstable, but the culprit was just like, Oh my gosh, I need to like run this over with my car before I feel like I can throw it like in a controlled manner. Like it was that overstable again, Hmm. I'm not out here throwing 400 feet. So maybe someone better form and better arm speed. Maybe it's not like that for them, but for me, as soon as this comes off of my fingers, it's going left. Even if I give it an Anheuser like release, it is coming back left quick, like very quick. Uh, Toro still is giving me that very quick S if I'm doing an Anheuser release, but it was like a little bit more smooth, a little bit more predictable. And I also didn't feel like I had to like kill it with all of my might to get it to do um, like this, like a little bit longer of a, a tight S like flex line. So I really appreciate that about the Toro. Now the culprit is just like, if you need beef and you need beef quick, like culprit's your guy here and lucid plastic. It's, um, I'm sure different versions of culprits. Like we have some, um, moonshine and like the base plastic. I'm sure if you get that nice and beat in, it's going to be beautiful. But yeah, especially this, this lucid one off the shelf is very overstable. So I started the flex line. Um, I'm also something, a shot that I'm really liking and Robbie, we talked about this very briefly when we played around together last time you were up here, but I was, uh, we were at Lynchburg college and I was back in some brush and I was like, Hey, what, what type of disc should I try to like chop forehand out of here? That'll come out at a Anheuser angle, but will like sit down flat. So like, you know, you want something a little bit overstable, but not too overstable for that. Um, so 
I was like, okay, let's try that line. I know these are way more overstable than something like that kind of disc, but can I give these like some nose up angle and can I chop them out? And will they, you know, are they going to keep the angle? Are they going to like flip back and actually fade? Or are they going to kind of like stable up gently and lay down? Um, they both were pretty good at like, if I gave them like this angle, so that those of you who can't see, it's like a very like ax chop angle. But if I gave them some air and some nose up and some time, they would give this like very beautiful, uh, not quick, but relatively quick kind of like flat motion and kind of lay down. The culprit would even maybe start to fade a little bit at the end. Um, but the Toro really just wanted to kind of lay down. Um, well, that's good to know because speaking of shots, that's I've that's a shot that I have to use sometimes at my course, and I've never found a comfortable disc that could could do that kind of just slow fade and then just drop down yet. Mm -hmm. So good to know. Yeah, you definitely just you have to find the angle for it, right? And that's mm -hmm. something you, obviously you're working on your form, so that you're going to be good at picking that out but it was definitely like it once i tried it a few times i found the angle i could repeat it which is really nice uh, again the culprit i think just because of how overstable it is was a little more tricky for me to find the right release angle and there was definitely more margin of error and then obviously i'm trying forehand approaches i'm trying to flat release forehand if i need something very overstable i was also trying a more like um anheuser release if i need like to get around a tree and back to the basket both discs were very good at that. I would say um, the Toro definitely gave me more distance. Um, Which one gave you more skip? Uh, culprit, for sure. Culprit, okay. Culprit good did. To know. Um, Toro still had some ground action, but the Culprit definitely, because it was coming down to the ground aggressively when it was coming down to the ground. And then just the actual angle, I'll put them up together. I don't know if you can really tell or not, but the Culprit really kind of has a little bit more of like an angle, like a sharper angle than the Toro. Yeah. So yeah, I think no. that it, that played into. So uh, really, I guess I I always like to try to recommend a better a better all around disc, and I really feel like the Toro is going to a better all around disc. Um, it it's very very usable over stability, um, and again, it's very comfortable on a backhand for me, which I don't find a lot in overstable approach zone type discs. You know, it's hard for me to find a. Uh, something that feels comfortable but toro is very comfortable i think the combination of the plastic and just the rim profile is very comfortable i could throw flex lines with it i could throw a big nose up spike kaisers if i wanted to i could throw any forehands i could throw very aggressive any forehands and have it just kind of set for me um i mean and the, i mean they're not going over 250 feet like not for me, not even if I shot them out of a cannon, I don't think they're going to go that far, but they want to get to the ground. So that's, that's yeah. something to know. But to me, Toro okay. wins today. I think Toro, it also makes sense in the spot you're trying to fill for your Malta. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Toro gave me a little bit more distance. So I think that will be helpful just kind of in that gap. If you were to take your Malta out, um, also it gives yeah. you some just into that, like f approach game that, overstable approach disc game where it'll give you a lot of different shots and again toro's available in chant plastic now as well and that's going to be more beefy so if you find all my stars beating in i still like it i'm going to go over to champ and then i'll have like the best of both worlds so i think toro robbie is what i want to send out uh jimmy today yeah i love it i mean Sounds obviously good. as it as a calvin heinberg fan i'm always here for the Vinny support if i could oh, yeah. go back and become not a pig thrower I think the Toro is at the top of my list for discs that I want to try. And I've thrown the Toro several times, and I agree with everything you're saying. Um, also, yeah. like, if you're looking to hunt a special run of them, and you're like, the champ is too overstable, the star is too neutral, they did do, like, the first run of them is Color Glow. So oh, right. yeah. it's, uh, it's like a perfect, just like when they make Sexton Firebirds in that Color Glow plastic so that it does live that middle ground, the Toro, it, it exists out there. Mm -hmm. a couple of the guys that are in my club throw toros and and really like them so yeah i'm excited to to give it a shot yeah. plus you get that really fun taunt of people like if you throw a uh you park your toro and then you just sit there and you're like hey hey you're gonna come you guys gonna come uh you're gonna park it closer park it and a miss yeah. uh yeah. here we go huh? yeah. those of you who are audio <laughs> listeners i definitely just did my best uh bull matador matador impersonation matador, yes. so uh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Jimmy, would you be willing to come back on in a future episode and let us know how the Toro's flying for you? Absolutely. I'll give you a bag update as well as my form improves. You know, discs will come and go um, and, and things will get swapped out. But just, absolutely. 
Awesome. 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 And if people, if you got, if you got a line on those X line, Zeus's hook our guy Jimmy up uh, because that way he's not having to buy three packs of starter discs. Uh, I don't mind the three packs though because you know I get I the Lunas the others, out yeah. of them uh, and I get the the other discs as well. So and they're really great great price on them too. Awesome. awesome. Well, y'all, we appreciate Jimmy. We appreciate you. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for waking up early morning with us, and uh, we'll see you in a future episode. Absolutely. Another episode wrapped Another up, one. and man, I. I just like, man, it's, I don't know how to say this without saying like, oh man, we don't appreciate some guests because we really do. If you're willing to come on the show and talk in front of thousands of people, we appreciate you. That is a skill that talking to a camera, Mm -hmm. even though like podcasts are a little easier because like we're just sitting here uh, over time, it feels like you're just talking in a room, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, it's intimidating. And so Jimmy, you were just a natural man. Uh, if you end up listening to the outro of this, a natural you did great uh, mm-hmm. it's that casual conversation is it makes for a great podcast so i hope you guys yes. enjoyed this episode as much as we did uh and it's been a minute since i feel like i feel like more and more people these days have that overstable putting approach disc mm-hmm. i can't remember the last time i came across someone who didn't even have anything remotely yeah. close in that category that was definitely an anomaly yeah i haven't i'm i'm trying to think back through episodes i mean i don't think we've really even recommended any just because most people have their preference right you're a pig person or your zone person or yeah. you know whatever and yeah, it was it was interesting. He's using the Malta kind of like that. I think it's what he wanted. Yeah. Just didn't know like where to go with it. So yeah. always happy to give a recommendation in a slot that like they really need and not something we're just trying to like fight out or like, hey, maybe this is a better option for you. Oh, absolutely. And like I think the the common slot we end up with is like the glow envy slot, right? That mm-hmm. like this isn't the approach disc that we were talking about, but it's not like a straight putter either. Right. There's a beauty there, uh, and it's a little nuanced as you get used to it. Whereas, like for an experienced overstable thrower like yourself or myself, who is cycling, it's like, oh, for that slot, we even just have a beat-in version of yeah, <laughs> the overstable right. button approach just that we throw. Right. But it's yeah, it's super unique. So, Jamie, I hope that uh, I hope that Toro ends up working out well for you. Um, mm. And if you want to check out a Toro, I'm sure we have some available at FoundationDisc.com. And not yes. only that. Brad, do we have some other new stuff in the warehouse? Oh, absolutely. I think the biggest the biggest story of the week here is we got a special drop. It's happening today. We're recording this Thursday. But a special happening drop in like an hour. In, yeah, in like an hour. It's crazy. I'm very excited for it. The Robbie C, Al Stamp, Wraith, It, and Pig are hitting the foundation disc dot foundation disc dot foundation, foundation disc dot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're hitting the site today. The um you know, who knows? There might be some when you listen to this podcast, no. maybe, uh, I, hopefully. If not, I'm, there'll be some back soon. Yeah, I'm hope I'm going to be honest with you guys. In the bag family, I love you, and I am so grateful that you listen. I think it would be super exciting if there are none left when you guys listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if there are, I'm stoked for you, and I hope that you can yep. get them. But, yeah, if they're not... That just means it's more the reason for us to order some more. So yep. uh, exactly. So yeah, Robbie picked out these uh, molds specifically just because you know the wraith, and I've included this in the product description. I believe the quote is, "You're not a Crawford if you don't have a wraith in your bag." So that's the wraith, obviously. Uh, the, it, I think it's just a great all-around fairway for beginners and even people that are not beginners, just for the either that easy distance or easy form learning disc or fairway when you're getting into drivers when you're first starting out. Or if you're a more experienced player, um, I'm like in between those two categories probably. And it's a nice, very easy hyzer flip, like learning that type of shot um, for sure. So, uh, and obviously the pig, I don't think we need to explain why we put a pig in there. Yeah. Easy peasy. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you think of even you have Hunter who throws an it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So someone who, if they're walking in the shop and they're like, hey, yeah, I'm a newer player. I'm looking for something. And the beautiful part is we ordered a, a multitude of weights too. Correct. So yeah. like there are some like 150 gram it's. So yeah. going to be fantastic. Yeah. And race too. I mean, I'm building an all bird bag, a 10 disc all bird bag. And the rule is has to either be a bird name or a bird stamp and something I don't normally throw. And I'll be honest, the... Uh, that Robbie C. Al stamped 160 gram wraith really 
save the day because I didn't know what was going to go in that slot. So uh, we're pumped for those. Those are dropping. Make sure you check those out. Um, we're also dropping. There's all kinds, as, as usual, all kinds of trilogy dropping. A lot of Glow stuff like Glow Underworld, which that really mm. has me intrigued. Yeah. Uh, glow Fuse, uh, Glow Bolt. Uh, there's also some Kristen Tatar uh, Champions Cup uh, commemorative like full art disc, which are pretty cool, or Dimax, I guess is what they're called with Trilogy. So yeah. uh, a lot of Trilogy stuff dropping. We did uh, stock up on some uh, Innova molds as well. I mean, some of these cool uh, stamp tor- Star Toros and uh, Champ Toros, Rocks, Rock 3s, Race, Destroy, like you name it. Um, the the standard molds are back up in stock, which is great. Um, we have quite a bit of Lone Star still. So, um, you know, we're moving through it pretty quickly and I think there's some really good molds in there left that people are like just now getting caught on to. Um, so make sure you check out Lone Star in there and then something very exciting that we're, uh, dropping this Friday is a fundraiser disc for the Isaiah 117 house. So we're going to have those live online. So if you know anything about them, they're an organization that helps foster children between, um, being removed from their their biological family and then going into foster care. Sometimes it happens at night. Sometimes it happens on the weekend. They, they don't have a family uh, available to go into foster care. And this is a house. Instead of sleeping in a police station or in a an office in the um, social services uh, building, which happens, by the way, um, instead of just sleeping there on a cot or on the floor, this is a home where they can brush their teeth, take a hot shower, get a good meal, and relax in a bed, it's already traumatizing enough. And this organization helps kind of like the in-between of that process. So um, every one of these discs we sell, uh, the profits are going toward um, the Isaiah 117 house. We have a chapter here in uh, Lynchburg. So uh, the me- and there, there's Innova and um, Prodigy in this. So if you're an Innova or Prodigy thrower, check them out. It's for a good cause. Uh, let's sell these things out and get some more and just help support this really good cause. So those will be dropping live this week too. Dude, that's amazing. Uh, Mm -hmm. Such a good cause. And the guy running, uh, Tony, who's running the the chapter of Mm -hmm. uh, the Lynchburg. It's such a great guy. So definitely check those out. Nicest human I've maybe ever met. So he's a great guy, great organization. So yeah. Hey, we're coming out to you, Foundation Nation, and in the bag listeners, let's sell these things out and let's get some kids some help. So those will be up this Friday as well. Amen. Amen. Well, Brad, it sounds like there's a lot of fantastic options. And when they find mm-hmm. a fantastic option, they're like, wow, this is amazing. It works really good. It supports a great charity. What should they do with it? Put another one in the bag. We'll see another you all next one. week.